Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. This is Peter Dangerfield from beautiful Shelter Island, New York. You are listening to my favorite podcast, The Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Peter, from New York, which is a city that I've already started talking to Matt about uh, in the uh, the pre-chat on this podcast, because I'm already looking forward to to booking the accommodation for there in what about 10 months time, um, because we've already done the, the Paris accommodation today, because I just can't I can't stop myself now. Now that I've started looking at places that we're going to go in 2023, I can't wait. So, Peter, it's lovely to have you as a friend of the Tennis Podcast. It's lovely to have you introducing this show. Uh, if anybody else would like to introduce the show, the option is there for you to do so. Click on Friends of the Tennis Podcast in your show notes, and you can do exactly that. We are joined by Catherine Whitaker in Turin, actually in person today, not on voice note. Catherine, it's been another long day. But you're here and you've only got one more to go. How are you doing? Yes, flagging. But uh, <laughs> I'm here. Flagging but still standing. Indeed. Although I suppose in some respects, Casper Rude has done, done, done you a bit of a favour tonight by absolutely racing through matters against Andre Rublev. Has he though? Because, I don't know, I think... I think adrenaline is worth more than an early night, and it was not an adrenalised evening. You're speaking um, my language suddenly. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was for Kasparud, who really was brilliant tonight, but goodness me, that was a bizarre second semi-final. It's one of those sort of matches that make you feel so foolish for the half an hour big sell that you've just given it on national television. You didn't predict that Rublev would win on last night's podcast, Catherine. So, you know, let's keep this in perspective. I did on a private text, though, didn't I? Thanks for not outing <laughs> gonna, that. But I was going to not mention that. <laughs> but uh, oh, between dear. the two of us, Poor Andre Matt was Rublev. Looking, at her, looking on. I mean, what what question for both of you here, Catherine, first. What what percentage of what you saw tonight from Rublev in terms of a 6-2-6-4 defeat, was down to fatigue of yesterday. Obviously, Kasper Ruud's had a lot more time to get ready for this thing. No, I don't think it was fatigue at all. I, I, I 
tell me if you disagree, Matt or David. Uh, I think it was all mental tonight. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a classic illustration of how mental this game is. In fact, you know, Casper is praying brilliantly until he gets close to the finish line. And then suddenly the world's most improbable comeback seems on. Um, but only ever so briefly, because as soon as Andre Rublev then starts to think, oh, hang on, I'm not down and out. Rude serves the match out to love. Um, yeah, he's, he's two all, he's 40-15. And then there is a total and complete collapse from Andre Rublev. Um, goodness me, he went on a wild ride with the um, Italian crowd tonight. They cheered him to the rafters when he walked out because they really do love him here. I said that on my voice note last night. They've taken to him. He suits this crowd. Heart on the sleeve, rough around the edges, but, you know, emoting every step of the way. Um, and they, you know, they're all gasping at his forehand. There's something about the acoustics in the stadium. And obviously it's a quick court as well. His forehand is making a sound that no other shot this week has been has been making. I'm sure if Carlos Alcaraz were here, then maybe some of his shots would be making the same sound. But that Andre Rublev forehand is, you know, there's just been something on it that's made everybody gasp. So they've really taken to him and gave him a rapturous reception. And then, then it all goes a bit quiet and awkward when he loses four games and four games in a row to lose that opening set six two, and then he's what fall off down in the second set and he's starting to get booed and then he oh. breaks the Casper Rude serve and suddenly they're chanting Rublev, Rublev. <laughs> it, it was a wild ride. Brief, uh, but wild. That's the thing is that they managed to make something of even a pretty much damp squib like that. Um, what was your reading of what you witnessed this evening, Matt? The same, really. I felt like Rublev was extremely disappointing. I I really thought that he might build off yesterday and would go into this match with momentum in a way that Rude had actually lost a bit of momentum because he had that weird dead rubber against Nadal and hadn't played a sort of live match since Tuesday. I felt there was a chance that Rublev would come out firing and Rude would have to sort of work his way into it. But that just wasn't what happened at all. It was an okay start, as Catherine said, from Rublev. He was okay. He was two all. And then I think he lost he lost 28 of the next 34 points, I think, in the middle of that match. It was just an absolute demolition. And I thought Rude played really, really well. Um, his backhand has got so much better. Uh, it just looks better. I always felt like he was too close to the ball and he would sort of scoop up on it and he wasn't able to drive through it. But he's really sorted that out. And it's it's now a, a pretty good shot. It's not as good as his forehand, but it, it held up really well today. He's got a nice slice as well. And I think we saw the best of Kasper Rude because he served well as he's been doing all week. But everything we said about Rublev yesterday and this whole tournament about how mentally resilient he's been and how he's stuck in matches just all evaporated today in about 10 minutes and that was all that was needed for Kasper Rude to stretch his lead and yeah I mean Rude has now reached the final of three of the five 
biggest events of the year, which was definitely not something I don't think anyone saw coming. He didn't even play the Australian Open because he was injured. God knows what he might have done there. I forgot and, that. And, and <laughs> now it's just a question of whether he can actually go on and win one. It, it's not like his task gets gets any easier. He's played Alcaraz and Nadal in those big finals. Now he gets Djokovic. I'm just thinking of Catherine's adrenaline. And I think either matchup against Djokovic doesn't feel like a very adrenaline-worthy match. But I do think Rude will have a better chance than Rublev of making it close because we saw in the group stages that Rublev doesn't seem to have what it takes at the moment to get anywhere near Djokovic. I think Djokovic will still win tomorrow, but Rude feels fresh and he's playing well. feels like he's ready for the challenge. Do you think, Catherine, he's anywhere near ready mentally, Rude, yet? Because what Matt's just reeled off there is a man who should be believing in, in himself at the very highest level pretty much now. To get to two Grand Slam finals in a year and the ATP finals final where you've got to come through all these players. And yet I still, I'm still not convinced that he takes to the court against Novak Djokovic truly believing he can win. Yeah, I think he's come a long way in that regard in that pretty much he believes now against everybody but Nadal and Djokovic, you know. Sitsipas, Medvedev, Rublev, Felix Auger-Aliassime, all of these guys, he knows he belongs. There's no imposter syndrome there. Alcaraz? Yeah, I think the US Open final, he played well. Yeah, I think there's a slightly different thing going on there, which is, oh my God, this bloke's nearly five years younger than me. How embarrassing. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, I I think everybody feels that. I don't think there's imposter syndrome there against him at all. Uh, I do think it is different with Nadal and with Djokovic for Kasparud. It's clearly different with Nadal. He does respect him too much. Um, Whether that will change over the course of their meetings, who knows how many more meetings they will have. I think it'd be interesting to see if he is able to to get over that. uh, and I think he feels the same with Djokovic. He's played him, I think, three times and lost to him all three times. Certainly never beaten him. Um, all six sets. All six sets, yeah. And he, again, he did a... I've just spoken to him, but he also did an interview with Richard Connolly for the ATP on the court. And he spoke glowingly about Novak Djokovic, but <laughs> too glowingly, I think. You know, I do think those two guys are on a pedestal for him. Um, and again, might, he might get over it. Tomorrow might be the day he gets over it. But I would be surprised. He's not Holger Runa going out there, you know, ready to ruffle feathers and not giving two hootsus down the other end. Um, and, you know, many people will be very grateful that he's not Holger Runa. Um, you know, he does it his own way and he's a thoroughly likeable chap. Um, and he's obviously got very well concealed fangs, doesn't he? You know, uh, but I, yeah, I worry for him a bit in tomorrow's final. Just a very small side note on your on your rivalry sort of roster of opportunities and possibilities, Catherine. I kind of like the idea of Rude Runa facing off a few times next year. I, I want to see mm. that. Yeah. I do too on paper, but remember how much we wanted Kyrgios rude after their spat 
Yeah. And the, and Rude's above it all. Yeah, but Runa isn't. So <laughs> he'll drag okay, it yeah, down into Ru- the gutter. Runa evidently can can start fighting an empty room. You're basically <laughs> saying I'm up for all Holger Runa matches and all the shenanigans that might come along with them. I would be surprised if there were particular shenanigans in any future Casper Rude matches. I think I think Rude will specifically take it upon himself to be the the bigger man and dampen down any whiff of a shenanigan. Oh. Well, I, could be, Rude... I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. What about I would Rune love Kyrgios? to believe that Casper Rude did go up to Holger Runa in that French Open locker room and celebrate right and say, yeah, right in his face. <laughs> but... It did simply not happen. didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Didn't happen. All right, I'll just I'll just keep having my imaginary rivalries in my head for <laughs> the next couple of months until we can get to Australia and witness them in person and try and wind some people up and maybe slightly elaborate on what people might have said and embellish and maybe they'll believe it and then maybe they'll get arsy with each other and who knows. Um, the the match that took place in the afternoon in the singles, I didn't get to see between Novak Djokovic and Taylor Fritz because I was out with my uh, 10-year-old son watching him play tennis in, in his match. Um, so I'm very much reliant on the both on the two of you to tell me what it was like because 7-6, seven, 7-6 six, seven, six for Djokovic and monitoring the scores as they were going on and, and watching your conversation about it, it's it felt close. Um, Matt, you know, it, it felt sort of as though it could tip and it could be a moment for Taylor Fritz from where I was looking on, on the live scores. But live scores don't tell you much, do they? What what did it feel like watching it? It was close. It definitely was. Um, I sort of wondered how the Medvedev match would have affected Djokovic. And I think we saw him kind of in a survival mode today. Like he wasn't playing that well and he said that himself you know he was he was fighting through I think he said in in his interview with Richard Connolly on the court afterwards so from a Taylor Fritz perspective I do feel a little bit like Djokovic was maybe there for the taking today in a way not in the same way but like when he played him in the Australian Open and he was injured you know it felt like maybe Taylor Fritz could have should have won that match wasn't quite that extreme today because what Djokovic did do was play very, very well when he needed to in the tie breaks. And particularly in the latter stages of the tie breaks, he just saved his best tennis in the first set tie break. It was a couple of big forehand winners when he needed them. And then in the second set tie break, he did that classic thing of losing the most epic point of the match, the one that will stay with you forever. It was just an absolutely incredible rally. And Fritz gave this extraordinary reaction afterwards. And I thought, right, this is the moment. This is where Fritz turns it round. Describe it. Well, he just roared, didn't he? He just threw his arms up in the air and roared at the crowd. And looked to the heavens, yeah. Yeah, and I felt like he was sort of using all that energy and he he was going to then you know, take that and go on and and win the second set. But of course, he's playing Novak Djokovic and Novak Djokovic is just a master at bouncing back from the position where you think the opponent's got him. And I think Fritz only won one more point after that epic rally. Djokovic knuckled down and won the match. And 
you said the other day, David, I think on Twitter, has Djokovic lost anything in his, you know, 30s now or, or is he still the same player? I think this was a classic example, this match of what Djokovic has got so good at in his latter part of his career, winning when he's not quite at his best and just timing that best tennis for the key moment, doing just enough to win. And therefore, maybe maybe it wasn't as close as it seemed. Maybe Djokovic did always have it in control and it was just about getting to those important moments when he knew he could raise his level. But, you know, there were a few little physical issues again at the end of the first set. He was, he was a bit hunched over. I do think... I do think there's a reason, maybe, that, you know, in his 30s, he hasn't won this tournament. You know, it's a lot of tennis in a short space of time against the best players in the world. I think the difference here is that he's coming into this event much fresher, generally, than he has done in previous years. And it probably matters a bit more because he's played a bit less tennis on the whole. So I think he's really, really motivated to win it. And I think he probably will. But Fritz played pretty well but there's just a nagging feeling that maybe Djokovic wasn't at his best and and he could have exploited that a little bit more how did it feel in the arena Catherine while it was going on did you at any point think Djokovic is going to lose here this is this is the making of Taylor Fritz not quite that I certainly thought it was going to a third set Taylor Fritz served for it at five four uh and really should have taken that that second set i mean it it's no accident that that medvedev served for the match against djokovic and he comes back and wins it taylor fritz serves for the set against djokovic djokovic comes back and wins it you know djokovic is the common denominator there um so hopefully that'll help taylor fritz with his nightmares tonight but i do think there will be a couple of nightmares and there was a call from the crowd, wasn't there, in that five four game. I think at thirty all and Fritz And that had, was tough. And Fritz yeah. had a backhand that he would normally put away for a winner and he hit it into the net and he was really annoyed about He was and he was right crowd. to be annoyed. It was you know, I heard it from where I was and it came from the opposite side of the stadium. So it certainly would have distracted Taylor Fritz. But then I've and and I you know, in that moment I found myself feeling a real sense of injustice because I really wanted that third set. Um, but then I thought, if that had happened to Djokovic, though, he probably wouldn't have let it get to him in the way that it evidently got to Taylor Fritz. So, you know, perhaps yet more evidence of 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 the gulf that currently exists. I do think overall this match and this week has been very positive for, for Taylor Fritz. I was surprised surprised in both good and bad ways by how prepared and eager even Fritz was today to go toe-to-toe with Djokovic and play him at his own game. It was like, it was a bit like the Medvedev match yesterday in places, you know, felt like ping pong. Um, I thought Fritz would want to keep the points a bit shorter um, but he he didn't, you know, he was trying to be patient. And I thought mentally that was very impressive. I think he didn't want to fall into that trap that so many players fall into with, with Djokovic and the great players of just feeling like you've got to do more. My my game isn't enough. I've got to do more and um, inevitably making more errors as a result. 
Um, so he was impressed mentally with that, that he went on that court thinking, OK, I'm going to take Djokovic on it, on his own game here. But equally, I think maybe he should be a bit more aggressive. I'd certainly like to see him come to the net more. His volleys are good. Um, I know he's got a flair for the spectacular up at the net, but that does demonstrate that once he's up at the net, his instincts are very good. I think it's getting to the net and developing those instincts for when he should go and how he should go that needs the work. But he's got Paul Anacone on his team. I know Paul Anacone's not there with him this week. He's got his other coach, Michael Russell, um, who I think travels with him more full time. But perhaps in the off-season, if he does get some time with Anacone, that will be something he'll work on. And I think that could be such a string to his bow because he's good once he gets there and he can another thing occurred to me today which is I think he can play on grass Taylor Fritz and I certainly think logically he should be able to play on grass and you know we've discussed a lot on other pods that that is a real separator because there are fewer good players that can play on grass than than any other surface so I, I think it's basically all all good for Taylor Fritz but he might have one or two nightmares about yeah, today. Yeah, well, there must still be the doubts because he didn't win. He got close, but he didn't win. And ultimately, that's what separates whether you're going to fulfil whatever potential you have, I think, and not. Uh, uh, in terms of, uh, is your potential more than just being a contender? Is it champion material at the very highest level? I do think, generally speaking, he will take a lot of belief from this week because he's... He's beaten good players and he's got to the semis and he's pushed Djokovic and he's been on the stage and he's not looked out of place and you know he's got he's got such weapons, hasn't he? Yeah, I've 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 looked at a few defeats of guys around the same age this week. You know, Orgelia seems defeat to Fritz and his defeat to, to Rude and um Rublev's win over Stefanos Sitsapas and Medvedev's assorted losses <laughs> um, and you know whether they've and Fritz's today to, to Djokovic and equally as his wins as well and whether they the defeats fall into the category of experience that you build upon or scar tissue baggage in your locker and I, I think different defeats fall into different categories you know today I think I think that's a serious bit of baggage that Andre Rublev accumulated tonight. Whereas I think for Taylor Fritz, that victory, that that defeat to Djokovic overall is a positive that will probably make him better. Mm. Um, and I can't quite explain exactly why I, why I feel that way about those those two results. You know, obviously Rublev's. Rublev performed far worse than Fritz did today, but it's about more than that, I think. Um, and I do think that's an important distinction. Hmm. Is tomorrow, Matt, the day that Kasparud gets a set against Novak Djokovic for starters? Is that you trying to big it up, David? Because <laughs> that was a bit depressing. <laughs> I think he might get a set, you know. I think he might. There you go, Catherine. Hype train. <laughs> yeah, I think he might get a set. There's your build-up. <laughs> Great. Half an hour build-up tomorrow, guys. Does anybody think he's going to win? 
Nope. Casper Ruud. I don't know. But Matt, oh, I Matt, am Matt always Slickering. I am always underestimating Casper Ruud. So Yeah, you are. We but we all do, don't we? When was the last time anybody chose Casper Ruud to win a tournament? No, I never. I, I tell you what though, I, I interviewed him I don't know, probably half an hour ago now. Um and he likes it. That's twice I've interviewed no, three times I've interviewed him this week and in every single one he said the words i'm the underdog um you know in the one tonight talking about djokovic and i heard him say it in the interview that he did before mine he said the rankings might say that i'm the favorite but i'm definitely the underdog he said that to me uh ahead of his match against nadal now he's right on on both occasions you know he was the underdog against nadal he's the underdog against djokovic but Equally, you know, he doesn't need to say that out loud, does he? He's definitely, I don't know, I think it plays into his hands to to be the underdog. I don't think he minds that people underestimate him. I, I think he's fine with that. I think, I think he might be fine with everything, <laughs> apart from his dog occasionally barking. <laughs> that was the question, wasn't it? What makes you angry, Casper? Mm. His dog occasionally barks. In in the interview that he did just before mine, um, by the way, there was the loveliest moment when Andre Rublev emerged from the locker room on his own, no entourage around him. I'd love to know the events that preceded it, um, whether he'd already had a debrief with Fernando Vicente or whatever. But, or destroyed the locker or room. Or who knows. But he, he came over and he looks like such a big kid, Rublev. Every time I look at him, I cannot believe he's 25 years old because he just looks like a teenager, doesn't he? He's got that hair all over the place and he's still so streaky. But he comes over to Casper Rude and gives him a big hug and says, good luck tomorrow. And then he goes up to everybody there from the ATP and says, thanks so much for this week. And, and he said, I'm sorry about tonight. Oh, bless. I know. <sighs> I the... really like Andre Rublev, and I want—I just want him to be okay. I bumped into Matt Futterman tonight of the New York Times, and he said he's like—he's like your daughter's mate. That's a disaster, <laughs> but you know he'll come good in the end. You know he's failing all his exams. He hasn't got into uni. You know he's dabbling in stuff, but you know he'll be all right in the end. You know in. In 10 years, he'll be a management consultant with a proper haircut. But, <laughs> but at the moment, he's in a, he's trying to get get in, get in it going in a band. It really yeah. isn't very good. Oh. Yeah, he's still oh, in he the actually uh, did One Direction tribute band. Going in a band that wasn't very good. He's actually done that. <laughs> I just want him to be okay, and I worry that he's not. Anyway. Whereas Rude is the, is the complete opposite. He's he's got everything in line and everything together mm. and he's just ticking off all the boxes. Yeah. He's the guy that took his GCSEs a year early, yeah. <laughs> but he's going to have a midlife crisis at some point. And go <laughs> no, off the he's rail. not. No, he's not. He's absolutely <laughs> not David. He's going to be fine. Hmm. Still 20 years till midlife crisis. I know. Cause I'm going through one. Um, <laughs> anyway, Actually, one of the quick questions before we get on to doubles, Catherine. You mentioned Rublev was a real favourite of the crowd. What were the crowd doing during Fritz and Djokovic? What was the what was the sound telling you? Um, 
nothing in particular. I mean, they really love Djokovic here and he gives it back, but I think they like Fritz. I wouldn't say there was a, a particular connection like there was with with Rublev this week. I think I think in that second set they wanted a match. They wanted more of it. It was good tennis, you know. It, it the intensity ramped up as the set went on, and they were rooting for Fritz at the end of it because they wanted more. You know that that classic pattern, I suppose. Mm. But no sort of journey of booing and cheering and chanting. <laughs> <laughs> All normal stuff. Fritz has definitely given us enough to get interested in i think for next year and um mm. and I, I i hope that he can take it on because the, there are so many players that have got something that make you feel that there's more to come um and in my little mini cub pack hunter theory of of watching Djokovic trying to achieve all he's trying to achieve whilst these terriers are, are running around him and and trying to take his legs away and and I'm pretty convinced there's there's not I don't think any of the ones that he might face early on are necessarily going to do the job on their own. But can you do it incrementally between you all? That's that's the that's one of the big question marks. It's going to be fascinating. Oh, I don't think Holgerun is bothered about being in a pack, is he? He is the pack. <laughs> he doesn't want a team effort. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But anyway, he might be there to pick up the pieces at the end. Put though, it I'm this sure. way, if he took out the legs of Djokovic and lost, and then, you know, Yannick Sinner cleaned him up in the next round, I don't think Holgeruna would take that as a team victory. No, no. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, I mean, the, the idea of somebody taking out the legs of Djokovic. Now, I'm, I know I'm the one who said it, but it seems absurd. The way, I mean, he does not look like physically he's lost much at all the fact that he got the fact that he got through that Medvedev ridiculous match yesterday that he didn't need to even blooming play and um and he and he won it in three hours plus and then comes out and wins two tie breaks today I mean it's not normal behavior um so uh well classic Djokovic really um the the doubles today was featuring uh first of all Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram um they won through in their match against uh Wesley and Neil Skupski yes it was um one it was a tie break set wasn't it then it was 6-4 in the second and they'll now face uh Nikola Mektic and Matej Pavic who beat um Lloyd Glasspool and his partner Harry Heliavara which actually ended up being a really close match didn't it because I mean, I, I wasn't really expecting that to be close the way the first set was going, but um, I think we've ended up with with a really close final on on paper. Yeah, it, it, definitely the two best teams of the tournament, without question, and a repeat of last year's semi final that Ram and Salisbury won. Um, Salisbury and Ram came out on a mission today. I, I, I don't know if it's about losing in the final last year. They really. They really, really want this one. And I also think there was a particular point to prove today against Kulhoff and Skubski, who have ended the years the year as world number one. Ram and Salisbury are second. Um, but of course, Kulhoff and Skubski haven't won a major title. And Ram and Salisbury have, you know, that's a significant absence from the Skubski Kulhoff CV. And this would have been a, this winning this title would have been a notch closer. It would have been the biggest title that they've won 
together as a, a pairing. So I think they'll be pretty gutted, but Ram and Salisbury had an edge today for sure. They had a sort of slightly scary look in their eyes, like we are not to be denied. Um, and in contrast, that second semi-final, Glasspool and Harry Levarai did, I, I think, suffer the effects of of inexperience today. They came out and they did look tense and nervous, and it was it was error strewn. Um, and then towards the latter stages, Mekdic and Pavic were taking it in turns to be very tight and very tense. It was almost like passing a baton between them. I think of Mate Pavic is the uh, more um, tightness prone one of the two, but Nikola Mekdic had a real go at throwing it away <laughs> in the tie break. But it was like Mate Pavic said, OK, you, ha- you have your moment. I'll take over now. Um, and they were they were very deserving, I think, uh, Mektic and Pavic undefeated this tournament so far. And it hasn't been a great second half of the year for them. So this is a nice sort of nice way to round off the season. And it's definitely the best two players of the tournament, uh, two teams of the tournament in the final. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. That final will take place tomorrow um, before the singles final between Djokovic and Rude. What one of the features of of your coverage today, Catherine, was uh, was you had Andrea Gardenzi, the chairman of the ATP, on with you. Catherine had a good chat with him. Matt, you and I were watching that. What 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 did you think of what he had to say, particularly Matt, about his sort of vision for the sport? I was pretty impressed i was pretty pleased with what he had to say uh and in particular his vision for the various tennis stakeholders to come together and unite he he was very big on that message and the line that he gave which 
pleased me the most was that he feels like tennis is at its strongest. I think he said the the product is strongest, I think was the word he used, when the men and women are together. And for the, you know, the head of the ATP to say that at the sort of showcase event of the ATP where it's only men, I think was quite a strong message, really. Um, and of course, he was referring there to the Grand Slam tournaments and the combined Masters 1000 tournaments, of which a big part of their plan next year is for, um, I think, Madrid and Rome and Shanghai are all going to be longer events, aren't they? Um more in the mould of Indian Wells and Miami that we've seen over the past few years. So I thought he spoke really well on that subject, to be honest. And, you know, he sort of recognised the difficulty of it that, you know, people have been trying for years, but maybe now there's a bit more, there's a bit more trying, I suppose. There's a bit more purpose behind those words. Um, And I think... In the end, it was it, it was a pretty positive message that he gave. Mm. I mean, Catherine, I think he pretty much said people are interested 50-50 in, in men's and women's tennis. And we have 50-50 in men's and women's spectators watching the sport. And, uh, and his recognition of that and saying it vocally is a departure, I think, from what we've been hearing for the last 20 or 30 years. I haven't heard that kind of conversation referenced very often by men's tennis absolutely not no uh there might be individuals within men's tennis that you know feel that way and have that recognition and perspective on the sport but it hasn't felt like the leadership or the tone in general of of men's tennis has been as supportive of equality as it ought to be. It's almost felt like, well, that's a women's issue. Um, You know, you fight your good fight, but we're fine over here. Um, And I thought I I was quite taken aback by how strong his wording was tonight. Actually, I thought he might pay lip service to equality, but he went a lot further than I was expecting. And I really liked the sound of what I heard when he was talking about that you know having the stats and really recognizing what a superpower it is for tennis that it's the women's side of the sport stands on somewhere even close to even footing I mean it's not an even footing but it's way ahead in that regard than than most sports are and they're all scrambling to catch up with where tennis is and where Billie Jean King got tennis to 40 years ago and it's got a bit complacent in the meantime but maybe it's suddenly waking up and realizing that it's got this incredible advantage over most other sports and you know not just in terms of women standing within the sport but he particularly pointed out that the viewership of the sport is an even split between men and women. And that's a superpower as well. You know, so many sports are desperately trying to unlock female viewership, not just women watching women's sport, women just watching sport. And again, tennis has that. It's there. Just tap into it. And he, he recognised that, you know, there's this, they're sitting on this little gold mine. They just need to 
navigate the politics. And I, those are three words that carry so much weight um, to, to try and tap into it. But the fact that he wants to do it and thinks it's possible is very encouraging. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do think we wait for some hard evidence mm. of, of that in terms of behaviour and actions. Um, but at the same time, saying things out loud publicly matters and and that's what he did today so fair play to him and I actually think I mean I I knew him when I was on the ATP circuit we're the same age and he was a, an ATP player when I was just joining the tour and in the late 90s um, I gotta be honest if somebody had told me 20 plus years ago that Andrea Gaudens is going to lead the ATP I would have laughed in their face because he to me he was a bit of a lad he was uh, he liked the tour life um, but I noticed and I think this might be significant, he left tennis. He left tennis for 15 years and made his name. He, he got himself incredibly well educated. He, he, he ran other businesses and he's come back to tennis as a very different character post-career. And I think that that's pretty important um, in terms of you know what he brings to the table now. So good luck to him. be very interesting to see how things go because as he pointed out to you in your conversation he joined then the pandemic started and now the invasion of ukraine and 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 there's been a lot a lot going on but well we'll see we'll see what the next stages of his uh, leadership involve so i think catherine it's time for you to go and get that sandwich you told us you need to go and get and to get to bed because uh, it's uh, it's after midnight your time and uh, you do have though a later start tomorrow I believe don't you and actually a later start than would have been expected maybe a couple of months ago because of a World Cup opening match clash has oh actually yes I've forgotten that that's the reason bit, hasn't it yeah so oh. the singles final is uh, seven o'clock local time isn't it doubles finals at four <laughs> yet another reason to have complex feelings about this World Cup <laughs> Human yes, rights abuses? What human rights abuses? I'm having a lie-in. <laughs> um, that was yeah, a joke, folks. That was a yes, joke. Looking forward to being cancelled in the morning. We've had many a WhatsApp chat where we're trying to work out whether we're allowed and whether we should feel okay to even watch the thing. Um, but anyway, it starts tomorrow, and uh, that means the uh, the men's or the the singles final is going to be at seven o'clock local time uh, in Turin. We have a mascot, Catherine. Uh, just before you go, we've sent you an advanced oh, picture of Wilson, definitely who's owned not going by Wilson. No, owned by Heather. Heather Hughes. Heather says that Wilson is a mixed breed from one of our local animal rescues. Because of my love of tennis, I wanted him to have a tennis-related name. So Wilson oh. Lorenzi, it is. For Paolo Lorenzi, my husband's favourite tennis player. We used to love watching him because of the way he, could, he would stare intently at the ball before serving. Well, I'm going back on YouTube to have a look at that. Okay. Yeah, so Wilson Lorenzi is, is staring into my soul right now. Uh, how would you describe mm, Wilson, Catherine? Doe-eyed. Yeah. And he's got that puppy thing of his head being a bit too big for his body. Oh, bless. But he's also got, he's sitting in a position where his sort of back leg is sort of splayed out in a in a manner very reminiscent of Billie Jean. He's lovely. Yeah. 
Very much so. Very much so. Thank you, Heather, for bringing uh, Wilson into our lives and uh, for being a mascot of the tennis podcast. And your pet can also be a mascot of the tennis podcast from December the 8th, because that's when we uh, we start allowing everybody to pick their spots for 2023. Um, I've got my mascot for the year as well, which is Darwin. Catherine's got Carter. Matt has the dearly departed Gerald. Billie Jean, the canine, is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner are, are our executive producers and top blokes. And with Catherine still here, we have shout-outs, Matt. We do. We have Scott Boachick in Vancouver. Right, Scott. Hello, Scott. If we had Scott before, I hope Scott, not, because Scott. that would be uh, that would that wouldn't reflect well on my filings. I, I thought maybe in a previous year, but anyway, Scott Scott just sounded a wee bit familiar. Hmm. Maybe because uh, last time Scott's name came up, we talked about Scott Humphreys, the uh, the tennis player from the nineties, who's now the uh, real estate agent, who <laughs> I've uh, referenced on a couple of occasions. Scott Draper. Scott Draper, absolutely, who, when he first came on the scene in the uh, late 90s, was called the New Rod Laver <laughs> by uh, some no, Australian tabloids. Oh, yes, God. he was, because he was left-handed and he was very skillful. And poor old Scott had to carry that around with him for years. <laughs> Lovely bloke. Oh. Anyway, thanks, thanks Scott. Scott. <laughs> We've got Ted Kerth in Chicago. Right, Ted. Hello, Ted. Like Ted Tinling. Yes. yes. I was going to go Ted Lasso. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Ted which, Tinling. Which the, uh... is Billie Jean King's favourite programme, so loosely tennis related. And Ted Tinling always spoken about by Billie Jean King because he designed her dress for the Battle of the Sexes, didn't he? Yes. Amazing. We should do a Amazing show on story. Ted Tinling, I think. I think you're right. I agree. Who else we got, Matt? Thank you, Ted. We've got Mallory Campbell in Brooklyn, New York. Right, Mallory. Like Moller Mallory. Yes. That's who I was thinking of. I was trying to think, where do I know that name from in the tennis world? Well done, Catherine. Suzanne Longland's rival. Mm. Yes. Oh, I enjoyed that show. Moller Mallory. Thank you very much. time great name, isn't it? Thank mm. you, Mallory. We've got Serena... Unrine in Phoenix, Arizona, and Serena Come says, I, "I play USTA league tennis, and my opponents never quite believe me when I introduce myself." I bet that freaks them out. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> yeah, I'm Serena. Yeah, no, reason. no surname necessary. <laughs> so cool, Serena. Thank you for supporting. I think the tennis you might podcast. be our first ever Serena shout out. You know, yeah, I mm. think you're right. I'd remember if there had been another one. Thanks, Serena. And finally, we've got Hassan in Fresnes, which is close to Paris. But Hassan is originally from Tunisia and is actually close friends with Ons Jabeur's brother. Whoa, Hassan, you're cool. What a time to be a Tunisian tennis fan. Hassan says, since he knew I love tennis, I had the chance back in 2011 when Ons played juniors to be in her box at Roland Garros and watch her win against Garcia in the semi-final and Puig in the final. That's a memory I'll always cherish. This is very cool. Sure is. Love that. You're a ledge. 
Thanks yeah, very much. Really love that. Yeah, thanks very much. That's so cool. Well, I've enjoyed all of our shout outs today. I've enjoyed all of the last 45 minutes of chat with you two. Uh, so go on, Catherine, get to bed and uh, we'll uh, we'll have another chat after the finals. Um, and yeah, hope you have enjoyed this edition of the show. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back all of next week because we've got the Davis Cup finals daily shows. Matt, is it tomorrow you're off to Malaga? It is. It is. And I'm loving the look of the weather forecast there. Just, oh, are you? Just going to say that. What, what, what are we talking about? We're talking sunny and low 20s. Oh, delightful. What's it like in Turin, Catherine? I'm so pleased for you, Matt. Um, it's really <laughs> cold. It's really cold. Is it? Okay. Well, it's rubbish here as well in Solihull. Uh, and I'm going nowhere, folks. But I will be with you on the tennis podcast every single day talking to Matt. Um, and we'll be back again with you tomorrow. And so me. thanks. Uh, yeah, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. Us. We. Us. We'll be back tomorrow and all the next week. See you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.